We just ask that as we examine your word, that you'll encourage us of who we are in you, that everyone here today is fearfully and wonderfully made by you and for you. We're all gifted, we're all talented, and though life's circumstances may have broken off some pieces of our life that we feel will never be recovered, we need to declare today that we can be blessed and we can be made beautiful by you. And no matter what has happened to us, no matter what has come about in our life, that there is great purpose in you, that each and every one of us can be used by you. Each and every one of us is special in your sight. Each and every one of us today, Lord, is someone that you love more than we could ever imagine. So help us, Lord, today through this message to see ourselves through your eyes a little bit. To not discount who we are, but Lord, to rejoice in what we are in you. To be thankful for what you are doing in our lives. And to be able to look in the mirror and be pleased with what we see, God. Through your grace, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. That's all right. You can clap before you seat if you like. Amen. One advantage to having a little less people here today is it's not quite so warm in here. Amen. Less body heat. Amen. Last week we had an incredible message delivered from a guest speaker, Carl McLaughlin from Texas. He challenged us to do our best, pass the test, and let God do the rest. And if you haven't listened to that message, it it is online on our app and on our website, and I would encourage you to listen to it. And part of that message challenged us to accept God's vision and to agree with God's vision. He used the example of Zechariah, who was the father of John the Baptist. And because Zechariah wasn't fully accepting and getting in line with God's vision for him to have a son, John the Baptist... He was frustrated and he was without spiritual power in the prophetic office he lived in normally for the space of nine months because he would not come into alignment with God's vision. For whatever reason, God's vision didn't make sense to Zechariah. And during that message and specifically during that part of the message, I felt like God spoke specifically that that's part of the reason why some of us are so frustrated. We're not quite accepting God's vision for us. We're not getting in line with the vision He has given us as individuals and as a church because it seems too big in some instances. We say, like we heard about through Chad Williams if you came to the youth service, like Gideon, who am I that you could use me? And God saw him as a mighty man of valor. So we have to learn to see ourselves as God sees us. Last October, I shared some things about vision. Some things I believe God was leading us towards. Some big things, some far off things, some some things that were far beyond us. And I felt like at the time that some of us choked on that stake. (laughs) But if our dream is not bigger than what we can do, is it really from God? If our dream is bigger than what we can do, then only God can do it. If our dream is within our reach, then we probably thought of it because we know we can attain it. We have to learn to see what God sees. The vision that God sees. And I want to do as as the best I can in the following weeks as we are moving towards being more full-time in ministry, providing opportunities for people that may work a schedule that does not allow them to be involved with midweek activities, to have some daytime midweek activities so that everyone can be involved. Because I believe strongly that part of our, the vision God wants us to have as a church is much bigger than Sunday. Sunday is just a time we get together and prepare for service the rest of the week. Service begins when we leave. It's not the hour and a half on 
Sunday. And so I would just challenge you in love today. What God spoke to me during that sermon is one of the areas we really need to step up in is life groups. Life groups was not my vision as a pastor. It was God's vision for this church. It's not God's vision for every church, maybe. I don't know. I don't pastor any other church that I have to worry about. So that's not my concern. But life groups is extremely important for this church. And if you want to be less frustrated, you want to feel more fulfilled, get involved with life groups. Amen? Just something to think about today. Agree with God's vision. Because if we're not participating in what God's saying to do, we are in disagreement with God's vision. It's very important that we see ourselves in God's vision. Max Lucado wrote something I read this week. He said, many Christians view their conversion something like a car wash. You go in a filthy clunker. You come out with your sins washed away. A clean clunker. In other words, you're the same car, you just got cleaned. That's how some of us view our conversion. You went in 1978 Buick, you came out a cleaner 1978 Buick, is what he's saying. But conversion is more than a removal of sin, it is a deposit of power. Max didn't enter this, insert this verse, but let me insert Acts 1.8. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. God didn't save us just to clean us. And then we live the same way afterwards. We're just clean now. He saved us to use us. Yes, to bring us with him in eternity but he wants us to be actively involved with reaching people through the power of his spirit Lucado goes on to say it's it's as if a brand new ferrari engine was mounted in your frame the mike recently his truck got a corvette engine it drives a little bit different now doesn't it mike just a little bit A, a nice corvette engine makes a big difference It's as if God removed that old motor that was caked, cracked, and broken with rebellion and evil and He replaced it with a humming, roaring version of Himself. The Apostle Paul described us as being a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. You are fully equipped. Do you need more energy? You have it. Ask for it. Walk in it. Believe it. More kindness? It's yours. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Hebrews 13, 21 promises God will equip you with all you need for doing His will. God doesn't tell us to do something and not help us do it. But we have to take those first steps by faith. And then the enablement comes. The empowerment comes. Max Lucado says, just press the gas pedal. God has given you everything you need for living a godly life. When we come to the Lord, we repent of our sins, we get baptized in Jesus' name, we get filled with the Holy Ghost, we are a new creature. We're not just the same person that now is clean in God's sight. We are totally transformed. And we have to mature in it, we have to learn to walk in it. Doesn't mean we're perfect all of a sudden. Yes, all those things are true, but we have this power within us now if we will agree with it and we will believe for it we can walk in it the children of Israel were delivered from Egypt a type of being enslaved to sin they were brought out they were converted the Passover is like repentance something has to die and repentance our own will has to die to his will and because he died first his blood covers us When we come to Him in repentance, the Red Sea they passed through were like the waters of baptism. Their enemies were washed away. When we're baptized in Jesus' name, He washes our past away. Our past enemies, those that enslaved us. 
And they were led by the pillar of fire by day and by the cloud by night. This is a type of the Spirit's leading in our lives. We should be following the leading of the Lord when we are filled with His Spirit. Not our own desires, not the world's direction, but where God is leading us. And after they were delivered, they had a time of testing in the wilderness. The Lord had promised them to inherit some promise, promised them to inherit the land, which we call the promised land, and it was an 11 day journey from where they were at. They could have gotten there in 11 days. It took them 40 years to go 11 day journey. Because they didn't walk in a straight line. They did a whole lot of walking in circles. A whole lot of walking in circles because they refused to pass the test. Numbers 13 gives us insight to their perspective of this promise God had given them. Moses tells them 12 spies are to go and to spy out the land. One of these spies for each of the tribes. And in Numbers 13, 27, we begin, it says, They told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us. Again, Numbers 13, 27. And surely it floweth with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. They brought back this amazing fruit to show them that they weren't making it up because otherwise it would have seemed so great that it probably wouldn't have believed them. It is a great land. It is an amazing life that God has promised us. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there, the the giants. And the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once. Let's not wait any longer. Let's go right now and possess it. For we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. All the people, really? They started off with some unbelief, and now they're just in pure exaggeration. Isn't it amazing when we take those first steps of unbelief, how quickly our mind begins to exaggerate our calamity or our opposition. All of a sudden, what started out as a small thing is the entire world against us. It escalates so quickly. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. How many times are they going to say giants? And we were in our own sight. This is how we saw ourselves. Just a bunch of grasshoppers. Again, exaggeration. Grasshoppers, if you've seen one lately, are pretty small. And I don't care how those giants, how big those giants were, these average sized men, there's no way the scale was accurate. Those giants would have been, I didn't do any math on this. But they would be, you know, 100 times, more, more than 100 times bigger. You have a five-foot man. Oh, yeah, the giants are 500 feet tall. We're just a grasshopper. Exaggeration, right? The scale was way off. At this point, they're just exaggerating and wallowing in unbelief. And the next verse said, they went out and cried all night long. They responded with complete unbelief. The land was promised. Caleb had the attitude they should have had. Let's go take it. But they interrupted Caleb in his excitement and his passion and reminded him of the down-to-earth viewpoint. I'm just a realist, some people might say. 
right? I'm not being pessimistic. I'm just a realist. The men who had gone up with him said a very unbelieving report. And the Bible says it's a, in fact, it's an evil report. A couple things about grasshoppers I just thought were interesting. Looking at grasshoppers this week. I learned more than I've ever known about grasshoppers. But I won't bore you with, I'll give you two things. Grasshoppers have ears on their bellies. Ear on their belly. That's kind of weird, right? And I'm sure there's a reason for it and a purpose for it. But it reminded me of a biblical principle that grasshoppers filter their hearing through their bellies. They filter what they hear through their own desires and the lusts of their flesh. Philippians 3.18 Philippians 3.18 says, For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you again weeping. So Paul's not happy to tell them this. They are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, who mind earthly things. Grasshoppers' God is their belly. They hear things through their belly, their desires, how it affects their earthly pursuits we have to be careful not to filter what we hear from the word of God through our earthly or carnal desires verse 20 says for our conversation is in heaven from whence also we look up for the savior the Lord Jesus Christ they're enemies of the cross They're enemies of the cross because they're too selfish to take up their cross and deny themselves. That doesn't satisfy your belly. How many people have ever fasted and found that it's satisfying to your belly? It is not satisfying to your belly. And that's the reason for fasting so that we can silence the carnal man and hear the voice of God. And because they are so concerned about what they are going to get out of every situation, they're an enemy of the cross, of the gospel. And that's why grasshoppers cause billions of dollars in damage to crops every year. They destroy harvest after harvest after harvest because they're only concerned with filling their belly. They're not thinking about the effect of what they're doing. They're not thinking about they're destroying a harvest that affects hundreds or thousands of people. They're just worried about filling their belly. That's why we have to say, I am not a grasshopper. I refuse to put my desires ahead of the kingdom. I refuse to put my desires above the lives of those I love. Because all sin comes down to whether I'm going to satisfy myself or I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. I'm going to serve Him and I'm going to serve others. Otherwise, I'll just serve myself. Sin is self-serving to the belly. Grasshoppers love sin. They're an enemy of the gospel of Christ. I'm not a grasshopper. Doesn't mean I haven't behaved like a grasshopper. Doesn't mean I won't behave like a grasshopper again. But I'm not going to identify as a grasshopper. Does that make sense? We've all made mistakes. We've all sinned. We're all going to sin in the future. But that doesn't have to be our identity. If we are in Christ, and we are covered by His blood... That's not who we are anymore. When we walk around during the day and we look in the mirror, we need to see 
what Jesus sees. Caleb, on the other hand, was another kind of animal altogether. Literally, figuratively. Caleb's name means dog. He was a Kenizzite and was therefore not of pure Jewish blood. So they called him a dog. It wasn't necessarily a good thing. It was because he didn't have the the pure lineage in his bloodline. They called him a dog. But it, it was something that later on became fulfilled in his life in a good way, being a dog. But before we go there, I want to give you some insight the Lord gave me about three years ago. Very important moment of my life when I was studying Caleb. And Caleb is a dog. Caleb is a spy. Spies snoop. Anybody catching this? Caleb was the original Snoop Dogg. The original Snoop Dogg. Caleb is a dog. Spies Snoop. Therefore, Caleb was the original Snoop Dogg. Just wanted to give that to you today. And that's why Snoop Dogg has two G's. Because he can't be the original It would also be copyright infringement on Caleb. But Caleb's name, although it meant something that was an insult, was fitting because the lexicon, and if you look up the Blue Letter Bible version of his name, the the definition, it says that it it means a dog or maybe something rabid. If you look up the definition of rabbit, it means having a or proceeding from an extreme or fanatical support or belief in something. Proceeding from an extreme or fanatical support or belief in something. Some synonyms would be extreme, fanatical, overzealous, extremist, maniacal, passionate, fervent, overkeen, die hard, uncompromising. That does describe Caleb. Because when everybody else was compromising, Caleb was saying, wait a minute, hold up here. If God says we can do it, we can do it. You can call me fanatical if you want to. You can call me crazy if you want to. You can question why I'm passionate about this if you want to, but I'll go ahead and be labeled a dog if, you, if I need to be, but I'm going to have the promises of God. I'm going to be more passionate about the promises of God than anything else in this life. Perhaps it was Caleb's dogged determination. Dogged means having or showing tenacity and grim persistence. Tenacious, determined, resolute, resolved, purposeful, persistent, persevering, single-minded, and tireless. We have to develop a dogged determination for the promises of God. That no matter what happens, we will not be turned to the right or to the left. Now, I know I'm not from Euless, Texas today. But there was a little bit more agreement last week. I did a memorial service on Monday that had more response than what's going on right now. Challenging us a little bit today. Would you rather be a dog or a grasshopper? At least a dog has a fighting chance. Grasshopper just sits there and rubs its legs together. It's what the Lord wanted me to say, anyways. Judges chapter 7, verse 4 through 7. The Lord has something about blessing dogs. Judges 7 and 4 says, The Lord said unto Gideon, The people are yet too many. Bring them down to the water, and I will try them for thee there. And it shall be that of whom I say unto thee, 
This shall go with thee, the same shall go with thee. And of whomsoever I say unto thee, this shall not go with thee, the same shall not go with thee. A lot of New King's, New King James Version of just saying, I'm going to tell you who to take with you. And a lot of Old English. All he's saying is, I'm going to show you who you should take into battle. So he brought down the people to the water, and the Lord said unto Gideon, Everyone that lappeth of the water with his tongue, as a dog lappeth, him shalt thou set by himself. Likewise, everyone that boweth down upon his knees to drink. Scripting a verse, the Lord said to Gideon, By three hundred men that lapped like a dog, will I save you and deliver the Midianites into thy hand and let all the other people go every man into his place. I'm only leaving you 300 soldiers, Gideon, and they're the ones who lap their water like a dog. The ones who are willing to get down and dirty in battle. In Matthew 15, verse 21 through 28, Matthew 15 Verse 21, Then Jesus went thence and departed to the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. Here she is asking for his help, and he ignores her. Doesn't answer her. Have you ever prayed and felt like God's not answering me? And disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. Okay, Jesus, if you're going to ignore her, that's fine, but can you at least send her away because we're getting tired of hearing it? But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He told her, I'm not here for you. I'm here for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him. Jesus didn't give her the response she wanted. He was testing her. Are you only going to do what is required of you when I do what you want me to do? She didn't get the response she wanted, but she still came and worshipped him. Saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. Jesus just called her a dog. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered, said to her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. This lady had a determination that was dogged. So when Jesus called her a dog, he was testing her, but it was kind of self-fulfilling because she was determined enough to get her answer. I don't care if Jesus answers when I want. I don't care if he answers how I want. I'm going to keep asking until I get what I need. We need that kind of determination to not just give up praying because it didn't happen the first 24 hours. Well, I guess prayer just doesn't work anymore. Why am I wasting my time praying? We've got to have determination. We've got to have persistence. We've got to have perseverance. And Caleb didn't get the promise that day. Because unfortunately, they bought into the report of the majority. And they went away and they cried and they boo-hooed. And that generation died in the wilderness. Because they could not believe God for what He promised. I don't want anybody to not make the journey with this church. I want everybody to make it. But it's only going to be those who will buy into God's vision. And believe that what God says can happen. And yes, we talk about the Northwest being the most unchurched area. This metro specifically, the most unchurched metro, Portland and and Vancouver, in the entire nation. That's a giant before us. But it's not unconquerable. 
And any giant might be big to us, but it's not big to God. It doesn't matter how big the giant is, it is small to God. Judges chapter 14. Every dog has his day. You ever heard that? Every dog has his day. Caleb had his day too. Because he stuck with it. I know I'm challenging us a little bit today, but I'm also trying to encourage us. Judges 14.5, the Lord commanded Moses. Caleb's reminding Joshua of his promise. So the children of Israel did, and they divided the land. Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua of Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. Hey, Joshua, you remember how the Lord promised through Moses these things to me? I haven't let go of those promises. We've been walking around in circles with these unbelievers for 45 years. But I have not let go of the promise. I have not forgotten or went back one bit on what God has promised me. Forty years old was I, verse 7 says, when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to espy out the land. And I brought him word again, and it was in my heart. Where was the word of God that was spoken? According to this verse. In his heart. You can hear message after message after message after message. But if it doesn't get in your heart, you'll never see the promise. You've got to deposit it in your heart. David said, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you, God. How are we going to see ourselves how God sees us if we don't have his word in our heart? Every day we put his word in our heart, we're getting closer to seeing what he sees. Nevertheless, my brethren, that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. I love Caleb. I want to be more like Caleb. And Moses swear on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance. The land you went and walked on, that's going to be your inheritance. And thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years. Because all the rest of them, Joshua and Caleb, remained yet alive. The rest of those spies with the evil report and the unbelieving generation was no longer living. They had to die in order for them to move forward. Why don't we let the unbelief in us die rather than ourselves die before we move forward? Just let the unbelief die. Kill the unbelief then we can move forward. We can walk in what God wants us to. It's not just His will for us to be out of Egypt. It's His will for us to conquer more territory. And by conquering territory, not earthly things necessarily, but seeing people saved into the kingdom of God. The Lord kept me alive these 45 years. Even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day, fourscore or eighty and five years old. I'm eighty-five years old. As yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. Don't try to put me at the doorfront at Walmart. I'm still strong. I've got more to do than greet people with a smile. 
And I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying that because I want to wake you up. And it sounded funny at the time. Not in my notes. I am strong this day. It's been a long time since God promised me. I haven't seen it happen yet, but I'm still holding on to it. And I'm just as strong today as the day He promised it. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war, both to go out and to come in. Now you might say, how is a 40-year-old and an 85-year-old the same strength? You take a 40-year-old and an 85-year-old and they start the same person if you were somehow able to, to have them side by side in a time machine. You tell them to do some bench press. Most likely the 40-year-old is going to outdo the 85-year-old. You ask him to run for a while. The 40-year-old is going to run longer than the 85-year-old. So what is Caleb trying to say here? The whole point is Caleb's strength was never himself. He was never looking at himself. He was just as strong today as he was 45 years ago because his strength is in the God who does not change. His strength was in Jesus. Even though he didn't know him at that time as Jesus, we know him as Jesus. His strength was in the Lord. Our strength is in the Lord. That's why we can declare that we are strong even if we feel weak in our body. We are strong. The Bible says, let the weak say, I am strong. It doesn't even say, let let the weak pray that I can be strong. It says, let the weak say that I am strong. Let the weak declare, I am strong. Even if I feel weak, even if I feel sick, even if I feel down and out, I am strong. Because God is my strength and my Redeemer. So Caleb in verse 12 declares the same thing he declared 45 years ago. I'm ready. I'm ready. Now therefore, give me this mountain. He didn't ask for a molehill. I think I can handle hill a five foot incline on the treadmill for ten minutes give me my mountain give me what's promised to me I'm ready to receive it I've been waiting for 45 years give me this mountain Wherefore the Lord spake in that day. Again, it wasn't his vision. He's not just claiming something that's arbitrary and saying, Oh, I'm going to be a millionaire. Jesus, make me a millionaire. And just believe and believe and believe. He's believing something God told him he could have. So I'm not saying today, just name it and claim it, whatever you want. But if God has given you a vision about something, if he has promised you something, you need to hold on to it. It doesn't matter how impossible it seems. It doesn't matter what other people are believing. You believe for your mountain. For thou heardest in that day, this is what was spoken to you, how the Anakins were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be, the Lord will be with me. Then I shall be able to drive them out again as the Lord said. It's not about my idea. It's not about my vision. It's not about me just saying, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. It's about the Lord said, I can do this. And if He will be with me and He will go before me, I will be successful in driving out the enemy. And Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, Hebron for an inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, unto this day. Because that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. And the name of Hebron before was Kirjath Arba. 
which Arba was a great man among the Anakins, and the land had rest from war. The place that Caleb chose was not a place without giants. Again, this, this place he chose was named after a great man among the Anakims, which were giants. So Caleb chose perhaps the place with the biggest giants and said, this is mine. He didn't choose the town with a bunch of little people. He chose the town with the big guys. Someone said, everybody in Israel saw David was too big, but David saw a man that was too big to miss. A target that was too large to miss. Because it's about your perspective. It's about what you choose to dwell upon. And we need to quit introducing our giants to God and start introducing our God to the giants in our life. If we would start exalting Him more, we would believe for greater. We would believe for greater. Coming to a a, a close. Again, I know I've challenged us today. I've tried to, to do it, you know, teasingly a little bit and just have fun. But the fact remains, if we really want to quit being frustrated in our life, we've got to grab God's vision. I like variety. I like change. I don't like circles. Going around in circles. I want to pass the test. I want to move forward. I want to see God's will be done. As Anna comes, and you can stand if you'd like, I'm not suggesting today that you look in the mirror and you find more ability in yourself, but that you would trust God more than before. I'm not saying you have to believe a lie and you have to to say I've never done anything wrong and and I'm perfect. None of that is... We can acknowledge the truth, but just know that our God is greater than whatever we face. One of the reasons I believe that Caleb had faith like he did was because he was the leader of the tribe of Judah. Judah was the tribe of praise. The tribe of praise. So Caleb had the perspective of praise. He wasn't viewing things through a carnal mind. He wasn't looking them just through his own human eyesight, but he was seeing them through the lenses of praise. If we are frustrated, if we are downcast, if we are feeling like we can't go on, our way out of prison is still praise. It's praise. It's not praise of men. It's not praise of ourselves by God. God forbid. But it's praise of Him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ask or think. So if we don't understand how it can happen, I've said this many times, but I'll continue to say it. We don't understand. I don't even know how to pray for this. Doesn't mean God's limited. Just because I can't figure it out means nothing. Because He can do more than I can ask or think. If I can't figure out how to ask it, if I can't figure out how to think it, it doesn't matter. Just give it to God. Because He is able. He is able. And we have real giants in our lives. We may not be looking for a physical land today, but as I close, we have giants of frustration. Giants that get us to stop moving forward in God. Things that frustrate us. Things that worry us. Things that cause anxiety that keep us up at night. That cause us to cry ourselves to sleep. We have these things in our life. So we have to choose. Are we going to continue to focus on the problem? 
And we're going to continue to see ourselves as grasshoppers in the sight of our problem. Or if we're going to rise up and say, my God is greater. My God is stronger. There's nothing my God cannot do. If my God is for me, who can be against me? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Today, I'm sure you have some kind of giant. Again, you may not be looking for a mountain like Caleb, but do you suffer from anxiety? Do you suffer from stress? Do you suffer from fear? Do you suffer from low self-esteem? Do you struggle with something that was done to you in the past? Somehow you are abused emotionally, mentally, physically, sexually, some way or another. It's a giant that keeps rearing its ugly head in your life every time you try to move forward, every time you try to develop another relationship, every time you try to step out and be a little more outgoing or try to get a job or do something else. And that giant comes and stares at you in the face and says, you're not going past me. You can't have what God said you can have because I'm bigger than you. I'm stronger than you. I'm going to bully you the rest of your life. In that moment, like David said to another giant, you may come to me with sword and spear. You may be way bigger than I am. You may be way stronger than I am. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. I come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. I come to you in the name of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's my deliverer. He is my savior. He is my strong tower. You'll have to fall at the mention of His name. You'll have to be destroyed in His presence. Amen. You may not feel strong today. You may feel weak today. But I encourage you, let the weak say, I am strong. Confess you are strong today. Confess it to the Lord. Say, I am strong and ready for battle. I am strong and ready to do whatever you've called me to do, Lord. I am strong and I am ready to go in and to come back victorious in Jesus Christ. I am strong. I am rich. I am ready to take the mountains in my life. I am ready to conquer the giants in my life. If you want to do that today, I encourage you to just take a few moments. We're going to respond to the word of the Lord. We're going to pray and ask God to help us today. If you've never repented of your sins, all you need to do is just begin to talk to the Lord and tell Him, I don't want to live my life my way anymore, but I want to surrender to you. I know I've sinned. I know I've done many things that are against you, but Lord, forgive me today. Help me to live for you. Help me to obey your word. Jesus, teach me your ways and I'll follow them. Let the blood of the cross flow in my life today. If you've never received the Holy Ghost, I encourage you today. That's the power of God in the salvation. That's the power of God to be a witness. That's the power of God to overcome giants in your life. You can receive His Spirit today. If you just lift your hands and you ask Him. Amen. He won't refuse it today. And if you've already received His Spirit, you can be renewed in the Spirit today. You can be refreshed in the Spirit today. Just begin to call on Him. Begin to praise Him like Caleb. I'm here to praise you, Lord. I'm here to worship you today. I know you're going to deliver me, God. I know you're going to set me free, God. You're going to lead me to the promises, God. You're going to give me my mountain, Jesus. You're going to give me my mountain in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just begin to praise Him. Let's begin to pray in this place. We love you, Jesus. Amen. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you today, God. If you believe God can deliver you, I invite you just to step forward today. This is just a sign. I believe that God's going to deliver me. I believe God's going to give me my promises. I believe it today, not because I'm righteous, not because I'm good by myself, but because He is good. Because He is good. I believe in Jesus today. Amen. Just as a sign of your faith today, I encourage you to come forward. I believe Jesus today.
want to eat birds every day? Not me. Quail and manna. God says there's some fruit, righteousness, peace, joy, love, patience, long-suffering, the fruit of the Spirit. He's wanting us to have a greater life. Okay? It doesn't mean necessarily earthly riches. Maybe it does for you. But spiritual riches, peace, joy, long-suffering, kindness, meekness, those things are in that land He's leading us to. Amen. And it's worth fighting for. If there's anything worth fighting for, it's the kingdom of God. Amen. We're going to close in prayer today. I believe we've responded by faith. And God's going to take us another step closer to our promises as individuals and as a church. Amen. God wants to lead us. Amen. Thank you for allowing me to be your drill sergeant a little bit today. Drill sergeants, don't, they don't lead you through PT by whispering at you. Because they, they know there's a battle that has to be won. Some sergeants are mean to be mean, but a good sergeant knows you have to follow orders, so in battle, you make it through. That's why, he's, that's why he gets after people, because he wants everybody to make it through the battle, right? So that's why I get after us a little bit today. I was preaching at myself just as much as you, and God was giving me a whooping while I was studying it. So you aren't, don't feel bad if you felt convicted. Amen. But God does it for a purpose to lead us through the battle to victory. Amen. God wants you to be victorious. So if you feel bad today, don't go away saying, oh man, I'm never going to overcome this. Don't say that. Go and say, God showed me so I can win. God shine light on that big ugly giant so I can whoop him because it's hard to fight in the dark. So God shined a little light on us today. Doesn't feel comfortable, but so He can lead us, Amen. So as we as we pray and as we leave today, we're going to say a short prayer, but we're gonna we're gonna say a prayer of faith. Okay, we're not going to leave feeling bad about ourselves. We're going to leave feeling like God's leading us to victory. Okay, so as we pray, let's confess faith. Let's confess victory, and then, then you're invited with us to share a meal if you'd like. But let's leave asking the Lord and trusting the Lord for victory. Lord Jesus, we're thankful for your word today. And your word challenged us, Lord. Your word encouraged us. But Lord, we know that we're going in victory. By faith, we are going and claiming the territories in our life that we've taken a step back on. We're going to reclaim those promises. We're going to keep declaring those promises. We're going to keep fighting for those promises. We know that as individuals, we are going to get, we're going to experience more victory in the days ahead than we've ever experienced before in you. We're going to have greater victory over sin, greater victory over the adversary of our soul. And as, as a church as a whole, our greatest days are not behind us, but they are in front of us. That, Lord, we are going to see victory in this city and this area. There are spiritual giants that are here. They've been living here for a long time. But we come to them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We will overcome them in the name of Jesus. So that people can be set free. So that people don't have to be slaves to sin anymore. People don't have to be slaves to the things that would destroy them anymore. But, Lord, we are part of the victorious army of Jesus Christ today. We are soldiers in the army of the Lord. And we will not be defeated. As long as you are our captain, we are following your orders. We will never be defeated. We will always win when you are allowed to be captain, when you lead us, Lord. So as we leave today, we declare victory in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We declare we are overcomers in the name of Jesus Christ. And we thank you for it, Lord. We give you praise for it, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name. You're welcome to stay and pray if you'd like. But you may be dismissed formally today. Join us for a meal if you'd like. Amen. God loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you today. As you go, go in His love. In Jesus' name.